Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, where we have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I am Brad Brown, joined in the studio, as always, by my lovely co-hosts, John Mark and Jonathan Hayes. How are we doing this week, guys? Doing fantastic, especially now that I can set my cup down on our table here without any fear of it clanging around because we have these beautiful coasters. Which one of us ordered those? Out of the three personalities in this room, who would be the most likely to order theological coasters? I, I don't I don't know who would have done that. I think Brad. it was John Mark. I, I, <laughs> but yeah, they I got the Pilgrim's Progress guy. John Bunyan. Yeah, they, <laughs> they have theologian faces on these coasters. So yeah, you got John Bunyan over there. Brad, who'd you go with? I went with Thomas Aquinas, the great Roman Catholic scholar. Oh my goodness, you did not. <laughs> you went about as far in the opposite direction as you possibly could go. It's true. It's Martin Luther. Yeah, and to no one's surprise, I'm sitting over here with Jonathan Edwards. So, but yeah, keeping my cup from clanging. Amazing. Anyway, so yeah, so I'm doing great. You can tell by the fact that I'm ordering theologian coasters that my sanity is is not being affected at all by uh, this shelter-in-place business. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, as a result of the quarantine, I have gotten into Pearl Jam for the first time. All right, here we go. So It's happening. I... Had never listened to a Pearl Jam album. That's so sad. Before like a few weeks ago. Middle school Jonathan is weeping. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, I'm loving it. I and mean, I'm really liking this. I'm oh, I've only listened to oh, what's the name of the uh, album? I was supposed to make you a playlist, and I yeah, haven't thanks yet. for doing that. Sorry, did you tell me? I really appreciate it. Isn't it like their greatest hits album? Basically, ten. No, yeah. Pearl Jam, ten. That's what oh, I was saying. That's the yeah. first album, right? That's yeah. the album that. That changed everything yeah. and led to Creed, <laughs> eventually. Thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really sad way to end that story. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. John Mark, how's the uh, the sheltering in place affecting you? We got. I'm over here buying theologian coasters. Brad's listening to Pearl Jam. <laughs> What's going on in your world? <laughs> Oh man, I uh, I'm recording some at home, which has been fun. I'm working on an ambient record right now. Yes, you are. And I'm now, so excited. And now the world knows. I'm so wow, excited. So now there. it has to this come out. This is an official announcement. Oh man, I've been working on an ambient record. Hey, thanks for announcing it on the podcast. Yeah. Well, we have so many listeners that I thought this was the best place to do. This it. is the appropriate platform. This yeah. is the perfect place for a Christian celebrity like yourself. <laughs> To announce their f- upcoming ambient album. That's Probably right. going to be on colored vinyl, limited edition, hand-numbered. Yeah. I don't have that kind of money, so <laughs> uh, probably just digital. But, yeah, we can dream big, though, for the future. So that's what I've been doing. And then I put up some uh, really awesome storage hooks in my garage for all my, my weed eater, my blower, yeah. uh, rakes, all that stuff. There's something incredibly satisfying about garage organization i am so into it right now it's a thing you're buying coasters i'm buying buying garage uh we're just going all out wow yeah like full renovation right like we can fix our cars in there it's gonna be gross (laughs) (laughs) full auto shop yeah (laughs) with a lift and everything 
I come over. Ashley's under the hood. She rolls out. And overall, she's got grease on her hands. Hey, Brad, how's it going? Small business. That's great. Could be. Love it. Well, why don't we dive into our topic for today? How's that sound to you guys? Sounds fantastic. Since once again, we've lost all of our listeners. (laughs) This keeps happening. (laughs) Well, last time on the podcast, I believe it was last time. It was. You are correct. We talked about deconversions and we talked about celebrity deconversions. And so, Jonathan, you have been on record. (laughs) We have it on record as saying that you wish that celebrity Christian culture would die. I I may or may not have said something that forceful. (laughs) So we wanted to give you an opportunity on the podcast (laughs) to defend yourself since that statement has gone viral (laughs) and the blogosphere has erupted. You know, some sometimes when you're preaching, there are just things that aren't your notes. That you're just, saying that wasn't on the notes. It, it just happens. They it just comes out. It just <laughs> it's just just there, and words fly out of your mouth, and there's nothing <laughs> you can do to get them back. Oh man! Well, but I stand by it. You I stand, stand by, by it. it, and I'm I'm here. And you're going to gonna expound upon I it today. I'm here to expound and to defend said said forceful statement. Yeah. So where would you like to start with the conversation? How about that? <laughs> Well, Brad, I figured that you, as a Christian celebrity, I would just let you begin by, you know, asking questions. Speaking from my personal experience. Speaking from your personal experience. Yeah. Well, why don't we start out talking about uh, where, maybe what is the, when you talk about celebrity Christian culture, what are you talking about? Where did it come from? Uh, Why is it, yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, uh, yeah. The answer I have to that question is pretty short. Like, I mean, celebrity culture is something that has virtually always existed in some form or fashion, but the the way it exists within the modern context is definitely attached to the evolution of the types of media that we have, right? Yeah. So the development of radio, the development of purchasable audio through vinyl and later, you know, uh, 8-track tapes, CDs, now digital, and all the development of television, all of that. Like, all of that birthed a new form of celebrity, uh, not not just restricted to Christians by any means, uh, just kind of a, a secular uh, celebrity culture. And Christian celebrity culture really grew up right alongside of it uh, mm. as the culture at large embraced these new mediums of entertainment of communication a lot well christian culture came right alongside and did the same thing there's actually this really fantastic uh kind of obscure book uh that i I, I read um it's called preaching on wax like a candle this no no like 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 a record this this, the subtitle is the phonograph and the shaping of modern african-american religion Wow. By Larone Martin, uh, and get it, it from Amazon, right? Uh, it, it'll take you a while, right now, but yes, eventually. <laughs> but this uh, th- this author, he he's obviously looking at a very particular slice of of Christian culture. But what he's talking about is he's he 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 looks at the development of the phonograph, 
the embrace of that specifically among uh, African-American preachers early in the 20th century. Mm. And he traces out how that led to really the birth of celebrity African-American uh, preachers within their church culture and and kind of the fallout of that that continues to this day. And I think that tons of what he says uh, can be extrapolated to celebrity Christian culture at large. It, mm. It's not just true within uh, African-American circles. It's, it's true of celebrity Christian culture throughout, throughout the church. But what he shows is that basically celebrity Christian culture grew up right alongside of secular celebrity culture. So, I mean, it comes from the exact same place. So are you suggesting that in America we have a celebrity culture? Are you suggesting that, Jonathan, on the podcast? I know that that's a controversial statement to make. And that, you know, the magazines that litter our grocery store uh, checkout lines would definitely disagree with me. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to vote the fact that we have television stations and magazines completely dedicated to absolutely nothing but celebrity life mm. uh, might indicate that we, we are a culture that is mildly obsessed with celebrities. Yeah. And that trickles down into Christian culture as well. No, for sure. Okay, so what would you say are the problems that are caused by this celebrity culture that we've been talking about? Yeah, mm. I mean, the fact that I would say that I think it needs to die would, would imply yeah. <laughs> that I probably... You put your feelings out there. I think there's a few issues with it here and there, specifically when it comes over into into Christianity, and we begin to take individual Christians, whether they be... Uh, musicians or whether they be pastors, those are our two primary ones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we've never done exactly an amazing job at making quote-unquote Christian films and creating Christian celebrities in that regard. <laughs> um, but, uh, but our primary celebrities are in the music industry and in the uh, preaching industry. That, that's another problem, <laughs> just saying that. Sounds like another podcast. Oh my goodness. But, but anyway... Um, so what, what problems does that cause? Uh, an infinite amount, but we'll just talk about three. Um, so first, it, it turns Christianity into a commodity for consumption. In other words, it, it, it takes our music and it takes our preaching or our teaching through books and it ultimately makes them products uh, products that have to sell. It, 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 what it does is it makes the listener or the consumer uh, basically the determining factor, the controlling factor over what is going to be produced. The, the provider has got to produce a product that's marketable to the masses. That's what mm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think the easiest route to go here might be to talk about worship music for just a minute. So if you rewind the clock and look back in church history, uh, worship music was born out of the local church. And it was not born from, man, we've got to create stuff that's going to be marketable to a lot of people. We've got to create stuff that's going to sell, that's going to generate enough money and popularity for tours and concerts and selling out venues. Yeah, It was being written by pastors and by pastors who had musical capability who were like, I need to teach my people and I need to teach them well. Mm -hmm. What can I write lyrically 
that's going to teach them well and give them rock solid. I mean, songs are a great tool for memorization. Give them rock solid uh, things to meditate on. And and what can I write musically that's going to uh, honor the Lord um, and and soothe their soul? Like there there was a real creative freedom and bent to that. Whereas now. Uh, the the writing of worship music has been completely taken out of the context, not completely, but overwhelmingly taken out of the context of the local church. Like like your local church is not singing songs that were birthed in your local church. Mm-hmm. You're singing what's being played on the radio, and what's being played on the radio has to be. Uh, marketable to masses. It's got to be sellable. The people that are determining what gets made, the type of music that's getting made and being produced and what it's sounding like, the the lyrical content uh, ultimately are going to be record companies and producers, not pastors, uh, mm-hmm. not people who their bottom line is the spiritual well-being of the church, people whose bottom line is the bottom line, yeah. what, what's going to sell the most. Yeah, I was going to add that uh, a couple of years ago I heard this crazy stat. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but essentially uh, there's this organization called CCLI, and basically they're they're an organization that helps churches report the music that they sing on Sunday morning. So, you know, here at Shades, if we sing something by Hillsong or Passion or Matt Redman or whatever it is, you know, it's good to report that so that – um, number one, we're doing everything legally, and then number two, uh, <clears throat> we're able to, you know, give uh, credit to those songwriters, and they're able to to get some royalties in return for that. What was interesting was uh, CCLI tracks all these churches so they know what songs are sung the most. I think it was like two years ago. At one point, the top. All the top 100 songs on CCLI, majority of them were written by about 18 songwriters. So wow. It was literally just a group mm. of songwriters that had written the top 100 songs that were singing across the country. Um, <clears throat> so I think that kind of shows you where there's very much a lack of uh, original music being birthed out of communities and we're basically just, you know, we're seeing something that was written in Nashville, basically, or written in Australia or something like that. Um, and it just kind of shows you how it's sort of like a system in a lot of ways where, you know, it's and it's one of those. To, it's, it's a long conversation to try to fit here. But I think it's just, you know, important to note there are, you know, there are groups of songwriters that get together that are basically writing so that they can then turn those songs into uh, kind of hits on the radio and then also hits in the church, too. So it's a very strange thing. And I'm not saying their hearts are in the wrong place, but it's a product of the system that we have in place. Right, mm, yeah. for, for sure. And, and, and I want to acknowledge the fact that like some of these songs are great. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, solid absolutely. lyrics, musically well done. Like, like I'm, I'm. None of us are trying to say, man, all of this is just horrible or any of that. But what we're saying, and what I'm trying to say, is that the system, the the way that what celebrity Christian culture creates uh, with regard to worship music is not a system that is primarily aimed at pastoring people. Right. 
Right. That that's that's the issue. It's aimed at creating a commodity that sells, yeah. at creating a product, and it trains people to be consumers, not to be disciples, but to be consumers of a product, and it trains them to look towards celebrity and the power of celebrity. Like like mm-hmm. when you think about uh, hymns. And, I, and I'm not trying to remotely open up a debate of like are hymns better than modern worship. Like I, I, I love stuff from every time period. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you think about hymns, like how many people obsess over the hymn writers? Right. I mean, do yeah, you even only know nerds. who they are? We're only nerds. Right. Rarely people would know who, right. who wrote the hymn. Right. I mean, your favorite mm-hmm. hymn, can you name the hymn writer? You know, kind of thing. And, uh, and I think that that's just kind of illustrative of the the difference there but but to move away from music not just talking with music so the same thing happens with books you know books that pastors are writing they've got to be marketable i mean i would Mm -hmm. tell you overwhelmingly the books that i have found to be incredibly rich and and soul shaping and discipling me none of them none of them sell on like the Christian bestseller list. You know, those are typically books that are here today, gone tomorrow. They're, they're mass marketable. People will buy them and eat them up really quickly. Um, but these books that are just deep and rich, um, yeah, you, you've got to dig for them yeah. <laughs> on the back shelf. You know? Well, um, and talking about what celebrity Christian culture can produce in this regard, and this ties into worship leaders and pastors, is if the aim is kind of appeasing the audience or creating a product that the audience will like, there can be a lot of Christian worship leaders or Christian pastors that can produce that. And these people have not had theological education. Uh, Sometimes these people aren't even tied to a church, but because of their appearance, because of their personality, because of their ability to get up and speak in front of people or write certain songs, they're able to get this wide audience. And then I think this does go back to our conversation about deconversions, where you have people that are put in Christian leadership that have not had theological education or training, and then in the midst of their leadership, when they're already on this huge platform, they begin to have these questions about their faith that they've never thought through and never wrestled with. And so there's this very public fallout where part of the ordination process for pastors is having a season where you ask difficult questions and you go through theological education and you make sure uh, as whether it's a pastor or a worship leader that you don't just have popular sermons or you don't just have popular songs, but you have songs that are uh, theologically uh, correct and rich and orthodox. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, you're getting ahead of me a little bit. Dang it. Uh, no, you're fine. I'm you're sorry, fine. I got so excited. <laughs> you, um, just in talking about the problems that this causes, we're definitely going to hit on that in just a second. Definitely, for sure. Um, but Disregard what I just said. No, no, <laughs> no. It'll just mean that we can. I can answer that one shorter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like the main thing I'm trying to emphasize right here with the problem that it turns Christianity into a commodity for consumption is that it ultimately alters what you're sharing and putting out. So from a preacher's perspective, in order to be a popular preacher that has mass appeal, 
you have to be way more general. You've got to, by nature, water down uh, mm. your message. It can't be that particular. So I had a professor that uh, when he was doing his doctoral uh, research, he wrote his dissertation about a particular Lutheran minister who uh, kind of developed this national radio program. And the larger mm. his radio audience got the more his Lutheranism had to disappear and that's what he was mm. writing about like the particularities of his Lutheranism or he would lose his audience yeah. he, his message had to become more general and he stayed orthodox but sure. his message had to become more general um, and, and and that's that's part of the problem like as as a pastor you, you're meant to shepherd people not simply put out what you think people already want to hear in order to have mass appeal. Yeah. So that's the problem with turning, whether it's a sermon, worship music, uh, teachings through writings, turning it into a commodity, you you then have to produce something that's marketable and that sells. That becomes the bottom line, not pastoring people. Yeah, that's good. So that's the first problem. I'll speed it up here a little bit. The did you have one other thing you wanted I to say, Jay? I had one other thing. I, Go for I it. I thought that I Jay was giving to me a look. This. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, I should have said it. I should have prepared. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like over here googling stuff. Are okay. you insinuating that we prepare? <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick. This quote I love because I think it it <clears throat> as we've talked about this first problem for a long time now. But uh, my bad. Yeah. Rich Mullins has this great quote. And if you don't know who Rich Mullins is, he wrote the song Awesome God. He, you should know who Rich Mullins is. He he's yeah. written he wrote a lot of great Christian Which, music. With Awesome God, the chorus has aged phenomenally. <laughs> the verses, not so much. I love Rich Mullins. Putting on a Ritz. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, that's great. When he, when he rolls right, up his sleeves, we're, de- he we're rolls up putting his on the Ritz. <laughs> we're we're derailing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, he Jonathan, says, come on. Let's, let's I love this quote. He goes, uh, it's so funny being a Christian musician. It always scares me when people think so highly of Christian music, contemporary Christian music especially, because I kind of go, I know a lot of us, and we don't know jack about anything. <laughs> Not that I don't want you to buy our records and come to our concerts. I sure do, but you should come for entertainment if you really want spiritual nourishment you should go to church. You should read the scriptures. Mm. I just love that. I love that he <clears throat> kind of owned it. Like he owned what, what he's doing, what he was doing. Um, and he basically pointed people to the church. And wow. he was like, if you're, yeah. if you want, you know, obviously we're singing about God. We're, you know, that's what I'm doing with these songs. But uh, if you want real nourishment, if you want real discipleship, you really need to find a local church to be a part of. That's where you're gonna you're gonna find that. And man, and t- that's so good. To to close out this first issue, <laughs> man, I got another Rich Mullins story that I really want to tell. No, though, that no. just echoes what John Mark said. To, to close out this, so good, this first though. issue, um, I do want to say this because I know John Mark won't won't say it and brag on himself right here, so I will. Um, there are great songs theologically rich musically creative that are still being written and produced and and brought out of local churches by worship pastors whose goal is pastoring they're just not making the top 10 on radio play you've got to look for them you've got to find them but they're out there and and that's one of the things that i appreciate about john mark and uh some of the other uh, songwriters that he partners with to write worship music, like their end goal 
is not to create and produce songs that are going to sell and just make millions. Um, I mean, they'd, I don't think they'd say no if that happened. <laughs> but the goal, the goal is we want to produce things that are actually going to shepherd people's hearts and that are going to nurture their souls through creative art. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to, there, there are good things happening out there. For sure. Um, so the second issue, I'll move faster. <laughs> the second issue that I think us celebrity uh, Christian culture causes is it doesn't just turn Christianity to a commodity. It turns Christians into celebrities. That should be obvious. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It turns individual Christians into celebrities. Why is that a problem? Well, well, we could ask the question, why do we love celebrities in general? And I think the answer to that is we idolize them. We, we make an idol out of them. We want to be them. That word, idolize, idol, that's a problem within the context of Christianity. Why is that? <laughs> it's it's kind of, you know, up there on the, the Ten Commandments list, you know, I don't know. Need to read that. Um, Never looked at that. Need before. to read that. But, but yeah, we begin to yeah. idolize another person. We begin, I mean, to idolize someone is to worship them. Worship was never a weight that any human was meant to bear. Nor is it a weight that any human can can bear. I remember being blown away when I was growing up watching VH1's Behind the Music about oh, yeah, how a great show. about how all of these artists that I idolized st- like they spent their lives striving for fame and when they finally got, like it crushed them. Right. Yeah. Couldn't handle it. And and I I think you know worship is not a weight that humans were meant to to bear. Um our what what happens when we when we idolize people when we put them on a platform when we make celebrities christian celebrities out of them is our faith ends up getting misplaced this is what you were mentioning just a second ago Brad like our faith gets placed into these people which is why when they fall so do the faith of many because their faith wasn't ultimately in Jesus their faith was ultimately in this this person over here this is one of the primary issues i have with celebrity christian culture is mm-hmm. it, it it causes us to idolize and worship people instead of worshiping christ yeah yeah so that takes us to the third and this is also related to what you were talking about brad the the third problem um and that is that celebrity christian culture turns the church toward poor sources of authority this is what you were mentioning. Um, it, 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 think about this again. Let's let's put it in secular terms. Okay, so uh, when you watch any award show, Oscars, the Grammys, uh, like the thank you speeches are rarely thank you speeches. Yeah, uh, they typically are political rants. Yeah, Ricky Gervais's opening <laughs> monologue, Golden Globes, Golden Globes. That was the Golden Globes yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, just went viral, yeah, because he alluded to these things right. well, that we all know to be true. And this begs the question, like, why? Why are movie stars and musicians giving political rants to the public? And the public listens. Yes. There are lots of people who are swayed. Their political opinions are way more influenced by movie stars and musicians than they are by political analysts. How many political analysts can you name? Right, you know, or yeah. or economic theorists or whatever. Like people aren't listening to totally. economic theorists for what they think is a good uh, economic system. Right, you know, we're we're listening to 
whoever's got the microphone uh, given their thank you speech or what have not. It, it, people, celebrity culture turns us towards poor sources of authority, and the same thing happens within Christian circles. Uh, we give authority to the most popular songwriters, to the most popular conference circuit preachers, because they're on this big stage, we assume they know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. Which is the very thing Mullins was, right. you know, your Mullins <laughs> quote was was right. pushing back against. We yeah. don't turn to rock solid theologians who have given their life to providing the church with amazing resources, answers to difficult questions, uh, biblical resources. I remember yeah. my first semester of seminary, I was blown away as I encountered an entire new world of Christians that I didn't know called Christian scholars that I yeah. didn't know existed. I was like, these people write books. Why haven't I seen them before? Yeah. Um, Celebrity Christian culture feeds off a culture that wants immediate, quick answers. Right. Uh, we, we want answers from sources that are very quickly and easily accessible. Yeah. So we go to Instagram to get medical advice. And we go to Twitter for hot takes on political issues or what have you, because we don't what we don't want to take the time to look for trusted sources or authorities, and we don't want to take the time to potentially read a book about an issue. We'd rather have ten bullet points, right? Read? I mean, and I'm. Read. I mean, I'm totally uh, guilty of this. Read. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's I mean, like, I'm totally guilty of it. I, I mean, I get sucked into it constantly. It's right? like I death mean, of the it's expert. Sh- it's mm, like death of the expert. Right. You know what I mean? It's like this idea that yeah. everyone everyone has the ability to, you know, like you were saying, you know, someone could have a Twitter account, get a blue check, verified, you know. And, I mean, anybody can this, have a podcast, guys. Anybody yes. can have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be shocked. We can be experts on anything. We have a podcast. Away. <laughs> They're just giving them away. <laughs> Do y'all know how easy it was to get this thing on iTunes? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take long. Uh, um, but yeah, but yeah totally. so so it turns the church towards poor sources of authority instead of turning us towards faithful theologians, faithful preachers, faithful singer-songwriters, faithful, you know, people with a pastoral heart who are doing what they do for the good of the church and and not out of seeking a benefit for them themselves. So those are just some of the reasons <laughs> that, that I think it would be a healthy thing for celebrity Christian culture uh, to to die. And so I think... You know, that leads us to the third question, which is, you know, what can we do? You know, we, we've we given these these kind of uh, these three negatives about the problems that celebrity Christian culture causes. So, like, what's the positive? What can we do before we get into that? Uh, we're going to make you wait for it. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break from the seriousness and the heaviness of this conversation uh, to, to hear a word from our advertisers. <laughs> No, to try and do something a little bit lighter and fun. We've been trying to do that uh, throughout uh, this time period of the COVID-19 pandemic, though we are not entertainers, trying to bring you a little bit of laughs each week. So uh, so we're going to break for just a second from the serious conversation and 
What do we got to talk about, John Mark? Well, if you listened last week, and I know you all did, I know you all listened to the entire hour episode last week. Absolutely. We, we had uh, we played a game of Desert Island where we all made Desert Island picks. We, uh, Jonathan, Brad, and myself picked our uh, three movies, television shows, books, and albums that we would uh, bring on a desert island, and I threw it out there to our um, very large audience uh, <laughs> to message or email us those picks, and we had a resounding... I mean, resounding, resounding. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Response. Response. Yeah. So we had two people message us. <laughs> <laughs> so great, and we thank That's you. Two more. So That's positive. Both it's of two you. more than I thought we're going. You know to. what? It's two more than last week. Exactly. That's, That's what right. I'll say. That's right. And uh, so we got their permission to read their desert island picks. So uh, our first comes from. Um, comes from Joni Ford, and um, she sent us Th- her thank picks. You, Joni, thank, you, yes. Joni thank you, Joni, for participating. This is awesome. So here's her favorite television shows, and obviously she's not here. She can't give uh, she reasoning. Can't, she can't defend it. herself. She can't defend herself. So. <laughs> right. Up for scrutiny. Here we go. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Arrested Development, 30 Rock, and The Office. Very, so Those are all solid picks. Yeah. Amazing. I, I have no problems with that. No, I think we named all of those last week. Yeah, we did. Because Brad cheated and had 20 shows he named. He did. I did. Um, I confess. Her favorite books, Anna Karina. Oh. Yeah. Atlas Shrugged. I haven't read either of those. I'm going to confess. Neither have I. No, neither have I. Sorry. I was trying to look up a Wikipedia article real quick to be able to say something. <laughs> I'm going to need to add these to my to-read list. Oh, and she also said next to that, Anna Karina is her current favorite and then mm-hmm. Atlas Shrugged was like a college favorite. And then her high school favorite was 1984, uh, which we discussed yeah, briefly. Your high, high school, school favorite? High school favorite. Man, she's in a totally different place in <laughs> high school than I was. I think. Well, my, Brad, well, your, you current, about your Tiger current Woods. books are, are yeah. all golf based. Yeah, it's true. I was thinking about that. I'd change it if if, if I could it's go too late. Well, that's no. why. Too late now. No, well, that's late. why I said you're stuck on an island for the rest of your existence. With that's why guys. I prefaced last week. These things could change from day to day. Yeah, this is no. today. Yeah, I was really insecure about that. Okay, I felt like people didn't think I was dumb. Sorry, go ahead. Her three albums that she would bring her all-time favorite: Abbey Road by the Beatles, which is one that I picked as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. College pick. Uh, Jeff Buckley, Grace. I don't know if you guys, you know, Jeff Buckley sings Hallelujah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that record is amazing. It's a 90s record. And um, I'm oh, adding man, it right just, now. Yeah. I'm adding guys, it right, right next to music. Guys, I'm telling you, it's so good. Like, it's so good. I've got, I was actually listening to it on vinyl last week. All right, I'm adding it. Um, high school pick, uh, The Division Bell by Pink Floyd, which is actually kind of a. Uh, uh, a 90s Pink Floyd record that I've actually listened to some as well and I enjoy. It's not my favorite Pink Floyd, but um, it's a strong release and one that's not talked about too much, so I appreciate that choice. I've never listened to a full Pink Floyd album either. You've never listened to Dark Side of the I Moon d- all the way through? I've never done all that. Right, we're doing While that watching this the podcast. Wizard of Oz. I'm going to add it. <laughs> You definitely should. I okay. know. I, I know. After last week, I may or may not have created a playlist with all of the albums we named on it, and I am halfway through it. Gosh, that sounds so insane. It's it's an insane podcast to shuffle. I mean, yeah. uh, a podcast a playlist to shuffle. Her favorite movie is all-time favorite, It's a Wonderful Life. 
Jimmy Stewart. Classic. That classic. Is a classic. classic. I can watch, I, watch it every year. I cannot get. It's like pulling teeth to get Holly to watch that movie with me. She's she's not she's not big. She's not into that as not much. Into it. Mm. No. It is long, but it's good though. It's so good. Uh, her college pick, The Matrix. The Matrix. Hey, yeah. fun story about It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Uh, my grandmother, who is still living, was 21 when it came out. Yeah, she's 99. Wow. All right, sorry, wow. that wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I just, <laughs> could have went without that. It's okay. <laughs> Her high school pick was Amadeus, which you guys have seen that, right? Yeah. I Amadeus? Have, yeah. Oh, my gosh. About not. Mozart? Yeah. Man, yeah, I think it came out in the 80s, but that movie is phenomenal. I think it was nominated for Best Picture that year. Mozart and who is it? it? Salieri? Best Picture. I can't remember. Salieri? How do you Salieri? Salieri. Salieri. Yeah, it's... So, it's it's basically Salieri versus Mozart, and it's this, um, yeah. and it's kind of a lot from Salieri's perspective. But oh my gosh, that movie's amazing! So this is how I feel about drumming towards John Mark <laughs> and preaching <laughs> towards Jonathan. Stop. So, so what, no, what are you talking Stop. about? Salieri Stop in the it. film, he's tortured. That is not, no, no, no. <laughs> let me speak my let me speak my truth. Let me speak my truth. So <laughs> in the in the film, Salieri is tortured. Because Mozart can just produce these masterpieces, right, on a whim. And Salieri's just like, he's working so hard on these pieces. And Mozart just, he thinks they're jokes, right? But it's like the best he can do. So that's how I feel towards drumming, where it's like, I could practice something for a month, and JM could get on the kit in five seconds, do it ten times better. And it's also the same thing with a sermon, where I can spend a month on a sermon, and Jonathan will be like, oh, man, I only had time on Saturday for 15 seconds to write my sermon. (laughs) We are really revealing a lot. It's just a beautiful masterpiece. 15 seconds. We might cut cut this. But, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, that's a great movie pick. Because that, that gets down to pick. a lot of the root of my insecurities. It used so. to be, you could I'm going to watch it. this movie so I can understand you as a person. <laughs> yes. It's it's amazing. All right. Uh, then Victor and Tanisha emailed us. Yes. So um, we're going to read their picks real quick. Gar- their picks Garnier's, are, we their love picks you. Their picks are a lot of fun, by the way. I, I love their picks. Okay. Well, and the first picks are Victor's, but I didn't know that <laughs> when I started reading it. So just keep that in mind as he okay. listens. So you All thought right. this was Tanisha's picks. I thought picks. this was Tanisha's picks. All right, picks. so Brad thought these were Tanisha's, her name on the email. but they're actually Victor's. So uh, his music picks uh, a band called Filibuster, and the record is called Deadly Hi-Fi. It's like this reggae record from the 90s. I have never listened to it. The I just looked it up so I'm that gonna, I could I'm say that. I'm going to add it, though. <laughs> Because uh, Victor used to be, uh, he used to play in this band. Yeah, Him and I had this conversation before. Yeah, he used to play in this band in Montgomery. Well, there were a couple of bands that he played in. I know the Bulletproof Marshmallows. I feel like he played with them. The He'll, Bulletproof they, Marshmallows. Listen, just, just email me if I got this wrong, you guys. I'm sorry listen, if I'm listen, butchering this yeah, right now. Victor totally played in some ska bands because he plays trumpet. And one of my all-time favorite Shades memories is there was an Easter where yeah. Victor played trumpet, and this is on video. Yeah, we have it on At video. some point, he gets so excited, he does a herky over a stage monitor. Yeah. I am not kidding. Yeah, it was a high point in the story. Real. We're going to find that and post that to our Instagram account at so some good. point. It made my charismatic heart just flutter, really. <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> okay. All right, his other picks were uh, Gravity by Lecrae. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. That's a great album. All right, and... Uh, a Seven Dust record, <laughs> Home by Seven Dust. Seven Dust is like kind of like a hard rock. They kind of uh, are on that 
a little bit of metal, hard rock vein. I'm starting um, to see why you found this humorous as Tanisha's picks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Tanisha's rocking out the Seven Dust. Yeah. Um, I listened to some Seven Dust, but not a ton. Okay, his favorite movies: Backdraft. You guys, you guys familiar with that '80s film? Never okay. seen it. No. Cr- crickets, <laughs> crickets. Uh, I think it's a Ron Howard film. But I'm gonna watch it. It's good. It's a Ron Howard film. Uh, Batman Begins. Christopher right, Nolan, right. first of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Man, this movie. As coming- much as that's been talked about, I feel like we need to have a Batman, Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy party. Yeah. I mean, yeah. once we're all allowed to be within six feet of each other. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah, could yeah. watch it in Zoom with each other That'd while be fun. we're watching it. We could it. do that. Uh, his last movie pick was Coming to America, the Eddie Murphy oh, my movie, word. which is just <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Man, I love Eddie Murphy so much, so I'm, I'm very into that choice. His television shows, the X-Men animated series, which oh, I watched yes. when I was kid. Yes, I I, had, I liked that series. I had to a sne- lot of a lot of Christian themes. I had to sneak watch that as a kid. Doesn't doesn't one of them get saved in one of those cartoons? Wolverine, I think, I has think a moment. Right? I don't know if he gets saved, but he has a moment. I remember it. Uh, he he has a moment. Yeah, Google it. The Batman animated series, which I'm assuming oh. he's talking about, kind of the '90s. Oh yes, the ones that we would get home from right. school. Like right. I would get home from school, yeah. and I would go to my friend's house because it aired at like four. To watch the Batman animated yeah. series. It's oh, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, and Sons of Anarchy, which I've never seen. I've never seen that either. I've seen it. It's a great he said He said Sons of Anarchy minus the finale. So. Man, I actually like the finale. Well, we'll have to call Victor kind and you of guys a, right, debate. Right, kind of a can Christ debate figure ending. All right, Victor, <laughs> let's talk about Everything. it. Okay. All right, his books real quick. He actually only picked two books, so big reader. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas, which yeah. I've heard is really good, mm-hmm. like a Bonhoeffer uh, biography. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the SAS Survival Handbook Ultimate Guide to Surviving Anywhere by John Wiseman, which I guess would be helpful. That's be just very, called a smart pick. Very handy. If you found yourself in a castaway Tom Hanks situation. All right, Tanisha, uh, she noted that these aren't necessarily my favorites, just thinking of what I'd want to have in isolation. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Music four by Beyonce. This is Beyonce's fourth record. Whew. I mean, Beyonce. How, yeah. you, how you gonna argue? I know, yeah. right? Anti by Rihanna, which was uh the this 2016 record. If, it had work on it. That song work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. Oh, yeah. If there is not, if this third pick is not an Ashley Simpson record, I'm gonna be blown away. <laughs> oh man, I liked Ashley Simpson back yeah. in the day. Uh, Golden. Did she have a reality TV show? She, she did, did. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to I watch it. it. Tanisha yeah. may or may not yeah. have sent me like two one-hour-long podcast episodes in, that are basically a defense of Ashley Simpson's wow. career. Oh my because goodness. she is a huge Ashley Simpson yeah. fan. Yes, I am ratting you out, Tanisha. Because I, I, I had I am, permission. I'm not I, had an the CD. I had the CD. Where is when she I was now? a teenager. I'm not an Ashley Simpson. Fan. What know. is she? <laughs> I don't know. I think she's I don't a know mom. What she's doing. Pieces of Me was a great song. Yeah. Pieces. Especially she had a great drummer. Yeah, her drummer well, was like a didn't studio make, guy. No, yeah, did, yeah. Didn't make a good move on SNL, but yeah, sorry, Tanisha. Her last record choice is "Golden Hour" by Casey Musgraves, oh, which is one of your favorites. I love Brad. that. I love, and that it's album. a good record. It's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to her. Great chill. Album. Let's go to her books. "To Kill a Mockingbird," Harper Lee. Mm, solid. Great. 
Oh, yeah. I've never read it, but I've seen the movie. What? Wow. I've seen the movie. Uh, <laughs> that counts, right? You got to read that book, man. <laughs> you got to read it. Yeah. Uh, Homegoing by, I know I'm going to butcher this, Yah Giazzi? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say that. I'm know. sorry, I'm it up. My bad. And then Everything Happens by Kate Bowler. I don't know that one either. Those are, were her I've book read choice. that one, yeah. Nice. It's a good really? one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I really have. Okay. TV shows, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, That's so amazing. Good. Will Smith. So good. I've never seen an episode. Oh, my God. You have I not. You, no, 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 no. I haven't. No, this is not possible. This is the worst. Listen, this would always happen. Were you it, even like, alive in the 90s? At, home, at Homecoming and Prom, This the song would come on, and everyone would start singing it and dancing, and I would just like raise my hands up in the air like I knew what was happening. I had no, no idea. It's embarrassing. It's shameful, but I'm modeling the type of vulnerability that we want to have at Shades Valley. I want to see it. Gilmore Gilmore Girls was her second television show, which I've never seen that. But oh, I mean, I know, I mean, I, I know what it you is. You have not watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but you've seen Gilmore Girls. I've watched the first few seasons. Oh my word! Oh. Holly is a big Gilmore Girls fan, but I've never, I've never watched a full episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And it's and the, and the wire, the wire. I haven't yeah, watched Brad. the wire. I mean, people say the wire is one of the greatest <laughs> shows on TV. I've heard I that. Can't speak. Tanisha apparently I can't speak from so. experience. Okay, her movies. I love her movie list. This is so much fun. Selena, starring Jennifer Lopez. Yes, nineties movie. Yeah. Oh, what a heartbreaking movie. That's what she wants. Yeah. And, uh, really sad. The Lion King. Yeah. The, I think the, I mean obviously the original, like That's, not oh, like the yeah, not yeah, like yeah, the yeah. live action remake that they just did right, 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 to make right. more money. Yeah, oh, yeah. not that one. No. no, it's great. Um, I love the Lion King, Lion and then great, this is sure. such a great movie pick. I love that she sent this Friday, starring Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, <laughs> which is one of those movies Man. that my, I have a two older brothers, and uh, my oldest brother's like sixteen years older than I am, and this was a movie that he had on DVD, and it was like this, like, and I saw it when I was like in it when I was like a teenager, but it was like, man, shouldn't be watching this movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tucker's making a strong showing on this island. Yeah, well, the '90s that was like his his heyday. His heyday, yeah. So, well, right. thank, thank you, you guys for the picks. Yes, that was awesome and way much fun. All right, so Jonathan, we're all on the edge of our seats. Why don't you answer the last question you posed before that segment, which was, <laughs> "What can we do?" Yeah, well, back to the back to the serious stuff now, right? Yes. Yeah. So, in light of all the issues with, that we've talked about with celebrity Christian culture. Is there anything we can actually do positively, <laughs> like like about it? Yeah. And, how do we live in this moment? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, since so I gave three uh, issues, I'll give three things that I think we can do. Um, so first, rightly relate to well-known teachers, authors, musicians. Uh, in, in other words, I mean, like it, it's not going anywhere. The fact that they're a well-known celebrity. Uh, Christian figures, they're, they're not going anywhere. But what we can do is we can rightly relate to them. Instead of idolizing them, instead of worshiping them, uh, we can relate to them in the sense where we learn from them, but don't worship them. In so, other words, it's it's okay to read uh, a popular book or to listen to popular worship music or to, you know, but but do this not because of who the person is producing it, but because of who the person is that they're pointing you to, which is to Christ. Look for good um, 
good resources, books, music, and all that, that point you to Jesus and and learn from it, um, worship, from, but don't worship the person. So rightly relate to those well-known teachers and figures that exist. Brad, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, just to be clear, we're not saying that just because a pastor has a large platform or that a pastor has a large church, that that's inherently a bad thing right. or that they're right, for doing sure. something wrong. God does gift individuals within the church with the ability to teach and preach on a large scale. And when it's done and when it's received rightly, when they're not idolized, uh, it's a gift to the church. And we should honor these people and not shame them just to take cheap jabs because they're popular. Right. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the problem becomes when we begin to idolize and worship them. I mean, Paul confronts this issue in 1 Corinthians uh, in chapter 1, where he, he says in verse 12, uh, each one of you, so each one of the Corinthians, says, uh, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Like, you had these divisions within the Corinthian church where they were following different leaders because uh, they got some kind of social benefit from following quote unquote popular mm. teachers. You know, and, and Paul will actually go on to say later in chapter three, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So so Paul's point there is like, look, it's not bad that you uh learn from me or from Apollos or from Peter or anything, but but the point is that we point you to God. Uh, we are servants. And so that's how we need to rightly relate to the teachers, the worship leaders, the preachers in our lives is mm-hmm. they're servants who are pointing us to, to Christ. So rightly relate to them. Second thing I think we can do is rightly order spiritual authority in our lives. Rightly order spiritual authority in our lives. In other words, it's not the popular uh, worship leader or the prop popular preacher or who, who should have the most authority, spiritual authority in your life. God has given local leadership to local churches, and they should actually be the ones who we look to first for that spiritual shepherding and, and guidance. So just uh, Philippians 3 and verse 17, this is where we've been you know, recently in the Word, walking through Philippians, and we talked about this not that long ago. Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me. So he does say to the Philippians, yeah, I am an example for you to look to, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He points them like, don't just look at me. Look at the local leadership that you have that's pointing you to Christ. Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 7 says, remember your leaders those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Like scripture constantly points us back to the ones who are actually in our lives doing life with us. Those are the ones to whom we need to look to first and foremost as far as a source of spiritual authority in our lives. So rightly order spiritual authority in our lives. That's the second thing we can do. Can I insert my yeah, absolutely. Rich Mullins story now? <laughs> I promise it relates. 
So Rich Mullins would go around and perform at a variety of different types of churches and venues. And so along the way, whether it be something that he said or whether it's something he wrote in his song, people would come up and challenge him. And so what he would say when someone would come up and challenge him and say, hey, what you're saying is wrong or what you're saying uh, isn't what a Christian should say. He would say, "Okay, here's the phone number of the elders at the church that I'm a member of. I'm I can't be accountable to everybody, but I can be accountable to them. If there's anything that you have an issue with, give them a call and tell them what the issue is. And if what I've said is out of line with what we believe at the church, then I will be corrected by them. Hmm. And that was just an amazing testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Of his view of the local church and how the leadership had bearing on his life and a a voice in it. Right. And, and that's true for all of us. Like when I say have rightly ordered spiritual authority in your life, I'm not saying to everybody out there who attends Shades Valley, that means look to Jonathan. That's how I interpret it. (laughs) He is the (laughs) ultimate authority and he looks to no one. Look to him. No, like I look to the elders at Shades Valley Community Church. They have the authority to call me or any one of our other pastors and elders to account, Mm. to hold us accountable. Like they are a source of spiritual authority in my own life. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah. So I think when, when we say have rightly ordered spiritual authority in your life, we mean for all Christians and that includes pastors. Yeah. This is why I think that a plurality of elders in a local church is so, so important and, and a biblical model. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the second thing we can do. And the third thing I think we can do is to rightly submit ourselves to God through his word. So in other words, even as we submit ourselves to our local uh, leadership, we want to make sure that that leadership is in line with the word of God. And they only have authority Pastors only have authority insofar as they are administering the authority of the word. That's where we ultimately uh, look to. It's just like John Mark was saying earlier in the story about Rich Mullins when, when Mullins says, look to scripture. So 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So Paul's going to go on to tell Timothy, so preach that word. And then he'll end with saying, for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. My, my, my. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so this, you know, we said that's one of the problems with celebrity Christian culture is, is you end up having a lot of preachers, teachers who are going to try to produce a product that appeals to the masses. And Paul warns right there, don't do that. Submit yourself to right local leadership who is submitting themselves to the word of God, because ultimately that's what you want to do is rightly submit yourself to God through his word. So these are all things that I think we can do to rightly relate to the Christian culture that does exist and to to try and push back against it in a healthy uh, way, because we don't want. We don't, and I hope this episode has not sounded cynical. Like we don't want to be cynical. We don't want to just throw rocks at us. We want to be uh, a, a positive uh, voice and, and learn to relate to um, the Christian culture in which we live and exist in a way that's biblical and helpful and healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that about sums this conversation up. 
That sums it up. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Shades Been